has this come out for people to see? Yeah, we are live. So let me answer Hillary's question. This is coming at it over YouTube. So there's a link that was just tweeted out from Pixel Fondue. They could log into, if I did it right, uh, log into the um, uh, live stream. People found us last time, and we didn't pre-announce or anything. So we'll see if some people show up here. And again, apologies. We did not, uh, I did not um, pre-announce this. Again, just due to work reasons and um, sort of last-minute get-together. But that's fine. We'll put it up on the website and uh, also put the audio up on uh, SoundCloud. It seems like quite a few people listen to the audio, as sort of a, uh, just like they did with the old modcast. So, what's um, we do have the same people as last time, except Ellery. I don't believe Ellery. Yeah, was I here last, last time. time. No, I, uh, I, so, I I I missed the Slack announcement and then <laughs> found out about it after. I was like, oh, oops. <laughs> That's no problem. So, what, Ellery, why don't you just take a second, just give us give us the Ellery elevator pitch and let us know what the you Ellery do elevator. and where you're at. <laughs> um, I am in lovely uh, Tempe, Arizona, where it's something like 62 degrees right now and beautiful. Um, I let's see. I, I have been a moto dude for like 10 years, maybe a little more. No, more than that. More than that. So, yeah, it was version 102. I came on board with moto. Um, it was like my eighth 3D app, so you know it wasn't anything new, but it was one of those sweet spot apps that you hit, you start using, and go, oh, you know what? Things work here the way I want them to. Uh, so that was cool. Uh, so I've been using Moto ever since. Um, I'll use other stuff, but uh, Moto is kind of my main uh, daily driver 3D app. Um, I teach at Arizona State University, uh, animation, motion graphics, visual effects, so a lot of the same kind of stuff, and I do training. Uh, group training, private training, online training, um, seminars, webinars, that kind of stuff. Um, and then I just work on my own projects aside from that. So it uh, keeps me pretty busy. And I've got three kids, so that keeps me even busier. So <laughs> There you go. And then yeah. which, when did you start actually making training videos? When did I start doing training videos? Um, that's a good question. Um, you know, I started doing some... Um, some seminars. Uh, I did mostly like Adobe and Apple products back in 07. Uh, so that's been about 10 years. And then right after I started doing those, those were live um, um, live sessions. I'd have groups of like five or uh, five to 10 people. Uh, it was mostly wor working at like Adobe certification. And so I started recording stuff not long after that and wrote a book starting in 2010, came out in 2011. And that was when I, a little bit before that was when I started doing online training to, to a large extent. And I've been doing it pretty much since 2010. So quite a while. Great. Okay. Um, so let's talk about a couple of things. I thought maybe we'd start off with William Vaughn. He released his Pushing Points Hatchet Toolkit uh, since the, I guess since the last roundtable. And you've um, sort of teased another one. Do you want to tell us a little bit about how, I guess, tell us how Pushing Points is, how the Hatchet Toolkit is doing. I'm interested to know how sort of third-party plugins do in the Moto community. And then maybe let's talk about um, uh, PolySide a little bit. Okay. So um, I really don't really have a way of, um, of judging how uh, the Hatchet Collection is doing compared to other things. Uh, but I'm, I'm very happy with the, uh, you know, the number of, of artists that have uh, picked it up. It's a lot more than I thought uh, was going to happen. And the feedback has been great. I mean, that's probably the, the most rewarding part is that, uh, you know, I, I made the tools, uh, most of them for myself, and then some of them just, you know, users asking for things online, and, and I saw it as an opportunity to kind of challenge myself with um, Python scripting. But then to have the feedback from everybody 
saying like, oh man, this, you know, this particular feature I missed from another piece of software and now I have it, or, you know, this, this, um, you know, this tool's cutting down, you know, my, my modeling time and, and things like that. So that's been exciting. And the feedback's been, um, you know, been really, uh, really exciting. And it's encouraging to, to do more, which is, is kind of where the, um, the Polystyne kit, and, and actually I released it today. I couldn't wait. Um, the plan was oh, to release it. <laughs> the, the, the plan was to release it um, tomorrow. Um, but I got the last, uh, you know, bit of um, uh, feedback from the, the beta testers uh, of the kit. Uh, with nothing but you know, like hey, thumbs up. I think it's good to go. And so I figured, you know, why why wait a day? Uh, that would just drive me, um, you know, that would drive me crazy. So, um, uh, so yeah, I released it a couple hours ago, and uh, and uh, the the sales are are already taking off, which is kind of nice. So what I did, and and so far all the sales have been from Hatchet, uh, uh, the Hatchet collection users. Um, I wanted to kind of. Um, you know, kind of give a thanks to the the people that supported the first kit. So I uh, I, I gave a healthy uh, discount to anybody that owned the Hatchet collection to to pick up the the Polystyne collection. But I'm really excited about the Polystyne collection because it started off as just a basic idea um, where I said I'm going to make a, a a tool that I think everybody would want, which is an ear tool. And the whole concept was it would make an ear for you because everybody that I talked to. Um, if they're character modelers, they usually hate modeling ears. And if they're not character modelers, they, they hate modeling ears. So, um, so it, it really started off that way. It started off as um, a, a, I was just going to do a single little script that you would run and make an ear. And then once I did that, it was kind of fun to, to watch it um, actually just pop an ear on. Um, and then I just started growing it from there and you know, do eyes and nose and mouth and hands. And uh, and now you can you know uh, pretty quickly put a you know put a character together. So so, um, so Ed, you were uh, beta testing this one a little bit, right? And and you're no, not really. Oh, you weren't. Have you I played with it at all? I, I I purchased it this morning. It's awesome. Oh, you did. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> all right, all right. So I was going to ask one it's thing. So I cool. can, no, there, there's Adam. Hey, Adam, how you doing? Hey, guys. Didn't know if Adam was jumping on today. No, um, I'm, blo I'm blown away by what uh, William's been doing. It's, it's uh, so cool what he's doing. Th thank yeah. you. I appreciate that. Yazin, so you've created a number of kits in the past for Moto, um, the Slick and the Sessi uh, uh, kits. I guess what I want to put forth is, is it worthwhile for somebody to come forward like William and invest the time and make something for Moto? Uh, <laughs> Yasin's the wrong person to ask that question. Quickly ask him, William, 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 William. No, no, no. I'll, 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 answer, I'll answer this as openly as I can because, I mean, there's, there's certain things I, I just don't know. Um, I think one of the things that you'd want to concentrate on is most of these kits we create, we create because we use them. Um, I think that's the best way to go ahead because one, you're vetting the tool from your perspective, not just building a tool for other people. So I use my own tools uh, because I need them in my production um, uh, pipeline. And I think that's, that's the first benefit of that. Whether they're good or not, I have never, um, in the initial one, Slick One, SES One, Two, and Pad, uh, there were definitely great successes for me personally because I think what happened is that I, my contribution was a lot of my time and maybe 
I did them. I, I, I usually do my kits when I have some downtime. Obviously, William, that's the, the different case for him because he just does that like while he has uptime and like doing something else. Um, but for me, it's whenever I didn't have a production uh, contract with a client, I would just take that time to look at the tools I use, um, kind of polish them up and make them into an actual kit. Um, Slick 2 is a bit different because I, I invested a lot in, in the programming aspect of things, which is something, which something I don't do, which meant I have to pay somebody to do that. Um, and it costs a specific uh, amount. And I think that one, while it did well, it didn't do as well as the previous ones before. But there's also a number of factors that I may not know about. One is uh, HDR Light Studio came out during that time. Um, there's a lot of other renders that came out uh, at that time. There's V-Ray, Octane, uh, people kind of, uh, Keyshot have been using other tools as well. And my tool is really strictly just for Moto. I think we, it took me even a, more, uh, a bit more time to actually have it working in Octane in Moto. So there's a lot of things that I just don't understand what happened. Uh, and I don't have the data for me to confirm what exactly. I sent, I, I sent out a survey to the customer to kind of get a, a handle of it. But that brought back some of these things and confirmed that yeah, some people are using other renders. Uh, some people um, already have what they want in HR Live Studio, or they have what they want in Slick One, uh, which is a fair point. I, there's there's no arguing that. So, I think it's definitely worth it if you're solving a problem that you feel is one big enough for you, but also you feel that other people will benefit from. Um, for me, Slick Two, it was again, it was for me more than anything in that I wanted a streamlined way to, to, to light things because I do still use actual lights for some of the product shots, not just spherical environment maps, which is two different ways of lighting and both are um, a good way of lighting. It's just that depends what your, the results are. Um, right. That's it. I mean, that's, that's as openly uh, as I can get off the matter. <laughs> well, it seems like Adam, you, the same thing applies to you. Like you obviously use the tools you make. You're probably inspired to make them Based on yeah, I mean, I I started doing them because I wanted them for myself, and I had some downtime, like Yazin, because like it was I was in between projects, and so I just hammered out some stuff that I'd been meaning to do for myself for a long time. And I think that's that's definitely the way to do it um, for multiple reasons, not just like profit motive, but because like you'll know them, like like Yazin said, you're a domain expert in what you do, and so you should you should just focus on that. Um, but um, I, at the same time, like you know, my most, not my most popular, but my most profitable kit is, uh, is Kelvin, which is, which is another sort of rendering and lighting plugin like Slick. Um, and, and I, I think a lot of, um, success or failure comes from, uh, I guess, I guess your expectations and about like, <laughs> um, that's true. That's true. How, how you're planning to market it? Because I mean, for me, Slick is super cool. But when Slick Two came out, like I didn't even know it came out till months later. Um, and when I finally found out it came out, there's like one video with music over it, and I couldn't find any like details um, easily accessible to like show me what's so cool about this and why I should spend money on it. Um, and so it's possible that I am the perfect slick customer, and instead I just went ahead and made my own thing, which is, probably, you know, uh, so. No, it's, yeah. it's, it's fair enough. I mean, we, we released a bunch of videos. Why they weren't visible is, I guess, the question that I don't have an yeah. answer. I don't have a, not a 100% answer, but a clear answer of One why that from, wasn't. And I, don't, I would love to hear what William and other people think as well. From my standpoint, doing plugins and, and plugins, kits, and training, as they call them internally, I think, PCATs. Um, is that it, I've had the most success, um, and this is this is like 
controversial to even say out loud, I guess, but I've had the most success with relatively high prices um, because it's a fairly small community. And so the, I can, I would, it's much easier for me as a small developer to deal with say $10, customers versus $110 customers. Um, it's just supporting it is easier, accessing the right people, the people that really care and see value in it is easier, all those things. And so I would say that it, when you're talking about whether or not it's worth it financially, that plays into it. If you're hoping for a mass market, you know, charge five bucks and sell a thousand of them kit, um, that's, Moto's never going to get you there. You're just not going to not going to do that. Well, let me bring uh, Ellery and, and Ed in on this a little bit. So Ed, you're coming at this from a sort of, um, as a customer perspective, like you mentioned, you bought Williams kit earlier today. And Ellery, I know you work with a number of students who have done training for a while. Yeah. You know, when I work with Maya or talk to Maya people, there's a certain um, handful of scripts and plugins that are kind of thought of as must haves. People, a little less now than it used to be, but that people get all the time. Do you see that Ellery with uh, students today? Is there like a, do you set them up with scripts? Do you point them to pushing points? Are they aware of things like that? Um, you know, I it's that's kind of a it's kind of a tough uh, tough uh, question here with with my current body of students because um, I have a lot of students who are at kind of a lower to you know maybe light intermediate level. Um, which is a lot of who I get. I've got a lot of lower division students. And then by the time I get to my upper division students, the students that would use the stuff, um, it's down to usually just a handful. Um, and I'm in a film program right now, so I've got a lot of students who are, you know, directors, who are uh, cinematographers, who are uh, screenwriters, and they'll take my classes more to know how to deal with the visual effects artists or the animation artists. So I don't get as many of the higher, you know, um, you know, more developed students um, just in my current position. Um, now, usually what I try to do, though, in teaching is I try to teach a fairly broad approach so that you're, when they're looking at problems, they're trying to figure out how they can solve a problem, but they're trying to see how they could solve that problem if they had a different set of tools. Um, so looking at it more on a, a kind of a uh, a theoretical level, because I found that over the years, tools change so much that if you focus a ton on just a tool and learning the tool, you get left behind, you know? So if you're a freshman and you start learning, you know, Moto, Maya, Max, whatever, by the time you graduate and it's a few years later and you find your gig and, you know, it's a couple of years later along, tools have changed. And if you have spent all your time just worrying about how to use the tools, I find that students get stuck a ton. Um, whereas in classes where I've taught more on the, you know, obviously you have to cover the tools, but you know, I try to focus the, the teaching on the, uh, on the theoretical and the, you know, the, the kind of procedure level, you know, uh, of how to approach a problem as opposed to, you know, what button do I click on? Then those are the students that follow that. They get a lot more, um, a lot more advanced. So I haven't really pushed a lot of, uh, plugins and tools and things like that, uh, to my students on mass, but um, yeah, I think it's the kind of thing that as they get a little bit more advanced, you know, we start talking about workflow and we go, okay, what kind of things do you do all the time? You know, what things do you do tons that there is an existing plugin that could speed up your workflow? So that 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 conversation happens, but it's usually only with a small handful of students, just given my current current position. I couldn't right. agree with that more. I think that's that's absolutely good advice, and <laughs> it's, I'm glad to hear that. Uh, for as, and I've also taught college classes and taught in a very similar way um, with with students, and they always want the latest kid. And uh, some of the kids, some of the kids want to trick yeah. out everything, um, and that's fine. But it doesn't. 
I mean, I, I think ultimately what I, but I always tell my wife, you know, I, I, when we got married uh, way back in the day, she had this really terrible job and a terrible boss that made her do some really just, uh, just mind numbing tasks. And I, I told her at that time, she was coming home telling me things she was doing at work. And I said, okay, here's a, here's a house rule. Now that, now that we're married, if you're doing something repetitive on the computer, you're doing it wrong. Come find me. <laughs> I'll tell you how to make it better. Because computers do repetitive things super well. Um, if there's one thing you shouldn't be doing, it's repetition. So I just tell students, like, yes, learn the vanilla tool. That's the thing you should be learning. Um, but then, you know, when you find yourself doing something repetitive, do a little Googling, and you're going to find people that have fixed that problem for you, almost guaranteed. Yeah. That's a yeah. great, great point. Yeah, yeah I, think pointing, I think pointing people to where to get those scripts it's probably just the most important thing for them. So teach them everything and then say, if you're looking for more stuff, go to, you know, there's Seneca's yeah. got a bunch of stuff. There's the share site and the, the forums are always a great location for that. Um, well, I'm, I'm going to go back to Ed because I think he's like, I'm just looking at him as more of the standard moto consumer. And where do you find, I mean, when you buy stuff, are you getting stuff, information from the forums or where are you finding the, uh, the Foundry website? Definitely the, the forums are uh, the main outlet for, for that uh, for me. And um, one, one thing that I'm learning, uh, I think I had an irrational fear of, of kits uh, early on because I was afraid that I would purchase a kit and the next version of Moto, maybe the developer wouldn't uh, update it or whatever. And that, that really prevented me from, uh, from jumping on board kits previously. But now, I mean, that seems crazy now because the kits make everything so much easier, the kits and plugins. But uh, if there's anybody else who's thinking like I did, uh, definitely just get over that because it's in retrospect, it's crazy. Yeah. Does anybody get news from the the Foundry Facebook page? Because I know the forums are like you know most of us have been visiting the forums for ten years, but it seems to me maybe the attendance has gone down a bit with the advent of things like Slack and Facebook and other outlets. Do you guys, William, Adam, Yasin, do you guys market on Facebook on the Facebook page or anything like that? Yeah, no, uh, for me personally, no. Yeah, I'm not a Facebook person, so I. Uh, <laughs> I hate I, Facebook with a visceral passion. <laughs> However, um, it is there are tons and tons. I mean, there are five five thousand people or something on the Facebook. Uh, yeah, there, there's a lot of Facebook people group. on it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so I've found it to be a really effective medium. So um, definitely, uh, I, I thought for a while that the forums had died, and I was really sad. It seemed like Moto was the Moto community was kind of dead, uh, whereas it used to be really vibrant and alive. And I found uh, sort of by accident that actually that wasn't true. It's just decentralized now. It's not all on the forums anymore. Now it's on Facebook and Twitter and Slack. And you kind of have to go to all those places, which is an inconvenient, but each has their own advantages as well. So, you know, whatever. Yeah, there's, there's quite a bit of activity on the Moto Slack group. I know the Skype, Skype. group also. So. Skype, not, yeah, I've got notifications on that one. Drives me nuts. Yeah. <laughs> it's always nice to be in that loop. Speaking of all this, there is we are actually going to release a Pixel Fondue newsletter, so we will include stuff like um, links to tips from everybody. If you actually, if you are watching this or listening to it later, and you have something you'd like to announce via the Pixel Fondue newsletter, let me know. Just send an email to contact at pixelfondue.com, or you can go to the thread on um, the Luxology, the Foundry forums, and. Uh, <laughs> 
and, and you know we have quite a few people who signed, signed up for that. I know. It's well, you know what? Head. The preferences folder still says com.luxology. So you know what? <laughs> I have pointed that out a, a number of I, times. Like, I still type in I still type in luxology.com to get to the forums, and yeah. it's, it still goes to it still goes there. So it goes to the community site. So I just I've never had any reason to break that habit. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, it still works. Um, okay, so well, I think it, one more thing on kits. I, I want to. I mean, I released in the last few weeks. I've been kind of rapidly sort of rolling out and updating this thing called Good Kitty for making uh, for making kits. It's a little bit. It's been a little bit developer focused, uh, and it kind of will always continue to be. It's lately gotten a slightly more um, accessible feature for extracting your prefs um, and putting those into a kit so that you don't lose them every time you need to reset because of something. But the the reason I bring that up is uh, not to promote it so much as just to say that um, I know that I, for one, am a huge proponent of more people making more kits. Um, I've I've tried to help whenever I can on uh, when other people are are thinking about releasing something. I always encourage them to do that. If you're a user listening who uh, has something really cool to offer the community, um, get it. I, I, I would really encourage you to get it out there. Um, because it, it, not just because, uh, you know, like I said, not just for the profit motive, but because it, it helps like build a community. It helps get more people excited about and interested in the possibilities of Moto. And, you know, Moto's spirit animal is customization. I mean, that's, that's kind of, uh, kind of one of the big things that we can do with this platform. So, um, so yeah, I, I, I think that the more people do it, it's better for everybody. And I'm happy to help anybody who's interested. Yeah, I yeah. just want to. I want to say. I mean, it was conversations with um, with the Pixel Fondue crew, but but mainly Adam that that kind of encouraged me to release the the hatchet collection the the way I did. Originally, I was just going to keep um, dumping scripts out there, but uh, but I but when you know Adam, you had said the same thing to me, um, you know, a few weeks back about you know how it'd be good for the community and that kind of stuff, and I I, I loved that that thought process, and the more I thought about it, the more I agreed. It's if uh, if more people are doing it, um, I think it's just going to build a stronger community, and and that's what got, that that's what has me um, continuing to think of um, you know other things that I can do as well. So th thanks for that, I appreciate it. And you've you've been a big help as well, you know, answering questions and and that kind of thing. So so let's uh, I'm going to switch topics. Let's jump into something that's a little more more of a hot topic, I guess, and see if we can stir up the pot a little. NVIDIA recently released their uh, Optics GPU rendering library um, free for commercial use, which doesn't mean you can just uh, download the software and all of a sudden you have iRay and Moto. You know, there's obviously a bunch of development work that have to happen to make that work, but that possibility is there. It certainly would cut down on the work on that. So, you know, when I saw that, and I also saw an announcement by Intel recently that their main... Um, pillars going forward are memory and cloud, and uh, I think there was one other mobile, uh, not CPU. So you don't look for Intel to be releasing, uh, making big jumps in something like a new i7. Uh, they're just, they basically came out and said they're not focused on that. So when I see that in combination with the NVIDIA's um, uh, release for their, their, their platform for free, of course, I'm thinking maybe this is a good time to jump to GPU. I'd always, um, I use both at Sabertooth and and have for quite some time, but I always try to look five years ahead. So without really getting into a GPU versus CPU battle. Why not? That, well, because I don't want to distract <laughs> the main, 
The main, the main question is <laughs> because the I, CPU loses. That's why. That's right. right. <laughs> me, hold up, hold up. To me, the bigger question is um, if you're to move forward on that and you leave AMD users or OpenCL users out in the cold, is that a good idea? Yeah, it is. Small program like Moto. <laughs> You no, I is. mean, okay. well, no, I think, I, so from my standpoint, so the, the big, the big advantage of CPU, of course, is, uh, is uh, farm, is for farm usage, right? Um, and, and there, there are a lot of other things uh, that play into it. There's a lot of nuance and complexity, but ultimately, um, I think we, we need to be moving toward more GPU stuff. The problem, however, and one of the major reasons that I don't do it, well, there, there are two reasons why I'm still using CPU and just using the default Moto renderer. One is, again, farm usage. You know, if I've got multiple clients that are using, they already have farms set up for Moto, I'm not going to use some GPU rendering just because I can get this one image out faster when, in fact, I can do an entire animation at, at 200 times as fast because I'm using a farm. Um, now, is that a lot? I mean, in the long term, of course, we can do GPU rendering on the farm too. The farm nodes just need to have GPUs, uh, and that's you know that's fine. That's a possibility. But for now, that's not the case. The other reason is because the Moto renderer gives me access to all of the power of Moto's A shader tree procedurals and uh, and and nodal shading, which Octane or V-Ray don't. So, um, well, I think V-Ray isn't missing much, to be honest. Oh, really? Because I, mean, I haven't used yeah. the straight up shader tree. You don't even have to use the V-Ray specific materials. They, they did a very good job of it, integrating it. So when you look at that, it, it is possible to use um, uh, the shader tree. And you know there's a few procedurals that Moto has licensed from a third party that they don't, aren't available. But uh, you're missing the previews, uh, some of the previews best features, because the Moto or the uh, V-Ray preview and even the Octane preview I don't think are quite as good as Moto's preview. But it's there. And you make a good point. But I'm trying to look five years down the road. There will absolutely be GPU render farms. There are right now. You can jump on. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, Moto should have a GPU render. I mean, they, they need to switch it. It's just, but I don't know well, of any internal plans to do it. And I hope. So, I mean, I hope so I'm wrong. Should, do you think they should switch it, or maybe just no, offer no, no. It? Offer it as a okay. yeah. I mean, it should just extend the library to to, to allow you. Would you pay a there. couple hundred bucks for an iRay from the? I would pay. I uh, for iRay from the foundry. Yeah. I don't. I don't know about that. I would want it to be basically an equivalent of the Moto renderer. Um, well, it, it's, it's, it's going to be using the iRay library, so it's essentially the, so it's the Moto renderer. You'll be using the shader tree. You'll be using Preview theoretically, but it's using the the, the GPU library that powers iRay, which is the optics library. Well, so, I don't know about the optics library. I, I can't. I can't say yay or nay about specific technologies, but I would pay a thousand dollars for Moto to support a GPU uh, in the Preview. So, <laughs> So you would you would pay so you would pay for it so like so the reason I brought it up is like iRay if you want to buy iRay right now for say my it's two hundred bucks you know it's, it's a pretty negligible purchase. Um, Yasin, what are you thinking? It's a it's a it's a difficult question. I I don't know. It's um, would I pay more to get? Yeah, I, if somebody's giving me something extra and I don't have to purchase a bunch of other tools. I mean, right now, I have to support. About six different 3D programs that are either rendering simulation or, or some, something of that nature that Moda doesn't offer. Um, so if I can have one place, great. But if not, what I would like, I would pay 20% more just to get compatibility between these damn 
uh, programs. <laughs> <laughs> just jumping from one thing to another is just nuts. Uh, all the little tricks and nuances and, oh, the UV didn't come out right. Or oh, you have to scale this correctly. That's exactly why I'm using Moto's default renderer, yeah, by the way. Like, 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 like for, like for, yeah, like for Adam, uh, when you're a one-person shop, uh, you, you suffer from that a lot because you have to spend a lot of time going back and forth between things. If you have a large team and they're dealing with that, yeah, you have more yeah, like a pipeline or something and you've already kind of automated some of those processes, it's great. But the more power you have in one place, it's it's just, it's like the sculpting tools. I always like, in, when somebody tells me, Motohouse sculpting tools, do you think it's better than ZBrush? I'm like, no. If no. you want to do sculpting, <laughs> go and sculpt in ZBrush. But if you're sculpting a little nuance in, a, in something you've modeled just as like, I need a little bump here. Yeah, do it in Moto. I mean, that's what that tool is yeah. for. You can do that. But it's, oh, not, it's got sculpting tools, but not, it's not a sculpting tool. So Ed is more of a casual user. Would you spend a couple hundred bucks on a GPU renderer? I would, but not anytime uh, soon because I just, I, I'm starting to build my own PC for the first time ever. I'm switching from uh, my MacBook Pro. But um, now that I have a GPU, uh, like a NVIDIA a GTX, I bought a 1080. Uh, I definitely, I would. I, I mean, and how would, much? How much did you pay for your 1080? Oof, let, me, let me check. Six hundred, seven hundred bucks. Six, uh, six twenty-nine. Yeah. So let's say you, you're willing to pay six twenty-nine for this piece of hardware. Anybody who's any rational person who's doing that, or paying a thousand, you know, a thousand twelve hundred bucks for a Titan, for that matter. Um, would be willing to spend several hundred dollars to get a piece of so to make their software compatible with the hardware. I mean, <laughs> of course you should spend the money. Uh, yeah, if you spent the money on the hardware, you should also buy the software. That's how I yeah. feel, and, that, and really, GPs have, have crossed that uh, curve quite some time ago. I upgrade my uh, computers to Sabretooth every two years. I don't sell old Xeons. I don't pry them out of a machine and sell them on eBay. But when I do buy new CP, I, when I, bu I buy new Titans, I sell my old ones for more than half the cost of the original. And I don't have to rebuild a whole new machine. I just literally pop them out, pop them in, and it's done in, in five minutes. And uh, if I want to you know, increase my render power just in the office, I can do that very easily. I still use cloud rendering. I was mentioning that before this uh, the broadcast started. I had, you know, I had a five thousand frame render over the weekend, all at ten eighty. You have to go to the cloud for that. So any sort of GPU offering would have to include some sort of cloud service, at least eventually, or a pretty well, soon. Well, but this, this that's that was why I was saying, and I don't know how this works under the hood, and that's why I was skeptical of iRay for Moto. My thought is, uh, my ideal solution would be that somehow they figure out how to, you know, thread the the Moto renderer so that they can use GPU in GPU mode. But then when you want to send it to the farm, you can get an identical result via CPU um, or GPU or whatever. I don't know the technicalities of why that's not possible. I'm sure that there's some serious problem why that can't be done. But I mean, that would be the ideal thing. Yeah, I think V-Ray has been working on this for a while. So I think we use them as a standard. Um, they have a pretty big staff. They've had a CPU render that's very popular. You know, The GPU render has been catching up to it, but it's taken years, you know, maybe mm. three years, and it's still not all the way there. I Obviously, you know, they've, they're putting time into it. I think that's probably the future of their renderer, and they, they've probably done the math on it. But I don't, I get, like you said, I don't think it's easy. That's why I thought maybe the... Uh, <laughs> no, I would not video, say yeah. <laughs> If I anybody video, that it's easy, I certainly did not intend to. No. Yeah, yeah. No, I, my thought would be the NVIDIA offering would maybe be a shortcut. And if they if they offer that as not the standard render, not a replacement, you can still use Moto and render on a MacBook with the Radeon and GPU or the CPU. Right. Great. But if you want to spend a couple hundred bucks and you get uh, a pretty well uh, production proven render, I, I use iRay. It's a decent renderer, um, and it works with all the standard Moto tools. 
And uh, and yeah, just support some video hardware. I think that's fine. If you spend a thousand bucks on a graphics card, you want to use it. Yeah. And the other GPU renderers out there, iRay, uh, Redshift, Octane, they're all running on NVIDIA and they're all doing just fine. I think they're making a lot of money. So I think it's okay to just go and Probably, NVIDIA. I, I would guess a hell of a lot more than Moto. <laughs> <laughs> the only thing about that though is that and now with the upcoming architectures from AMD, I think we're going to see a lot more push from higher uh, performance AMD cards, which then is going to cause a little bit more shift in the industry as far as sales go. So I, I don't know. I, I personally would like to see something that could use OpenCL or something that isn't going to box out AMD CPUs. Although I also hope that AMD pushing the envelope a little bit will cause NVIDIA to do the same. So, you know, the competition can keep it up. But... I would I would like to see AMD weird. included on that. I use GTX cards myself, but I, I would like to see NVIDIA uh, not be the only thing offered in that kind of a thing. So, and didn't didn't O2A release something recently, or maybe within the last couple months, where um, they could... wanted yeah, they wanted to have I think uh, uh, ATI support or uh, Radeon support. I just don't know. I don't. Know they they at. sort of. A... Uh, you got to take oh, it's a bit of a grain of salt until they actually deliver it. But they've uh, they've abstracted CUDA essentially, so then they can. Yeah. Put that on whatever platform, whether it's um, ATI, ATI, uh, AMD, or I keep forgetting this. Yeah, I know. What there's another, there's another actually a mobile chip maker that's going to make a basically a ray tracing ASIC that should go pretty fast. We'll theoretically we'll see. Um, Alex, you are on live from Germany. You just popped in. <laughs> over there. So you use uh, Moto Maya, I think, and also Nuke. Um, yes. Would that be helpful to you? I know V-Ray is available for Nuke. Do you use V-Ray in both Moto and Nuke at all? Have you do any? Um, no, not really. The only time I've really used V-Ray was in Maya. Uh, not not doubled into V-Ray that much yet. No, not that end of your... So, is it appealing to you though to use the same renderer in your compositor that you do in your three D program? Um, in in theory, yes. Uh, in in. I mean, uh, most of the 3D stuff I've done in, in Nuke hasn't been like taking too much advantage of ray tracing and stuff. It's more like quick hacks and uh, get in fast, get out fast. So, I mean, I can see the appeal to, to stay within Nuke and, and do all my 3D there or most of it. Or, uh, but... I mean, since since I also have uh, Moto and uh, I'm I'm pretty uh, comfortable there, I, I'd rather use a full 3D environment and uh, just use the right tool for the right job, really. And not so it's not it's not something super appealing to you. So William, you don't do a ton of rendering, I don't think. You do I think maybe I'm wrong, but is something like a GPU render to keep your eye on that market, or is that appealing to you as more of a modeler, or you just don't pay attention to that stuff? Um, uh, to be honest, I really don't pay attention to it. We, you guys are talking, and it's it, it's it's another language for me because <laughs> I, I, have, I have my I have my system right right next to me, and as far as I'm concerned, there could be a gerbil on a wheel in there. Um, <laughs> He's like, uh, I use computers. What, I, what are you guys using? Yep. I, I mean, I I have Mine my has a mouse. <laughs> like I, I have my resources for when you know uh, when I need a new system. Um, I have a, a you know a really good friend that that that's what he does for a living and. And uh, and so all I have to do is say this is the budget that I have. You know, these are the these are the tools that I use. You know, what's the best thing that I could get for um, for my specific needs? Uh, I, I you know I'm still using 
the uh, the old school Intel mouse. It's my favorite mouse. <laughs> uh, I get made fun of for this one, uh, but it's the most comfortable mouse for me. I just use you know I use what works. So as far as uh, you know, rendering goes. I do. I do quite a bit of rendering, but I just use you know the default Moto renderer. I'll render my passes out and either composite them in um, After Effects or Photoshop. Uh, but you know, if if I could render faster, uh, would that be worth uh, spending the money? Absolutely. You know, I, I you know the 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 systems that I buy, I, I um, you know, I I, I think are um, affordable, but they're definitely not cheap. I I try and get. I don't get the latest and greatest. I always get what's recommended to me, which is just you know something that's going to be a workhorse. Right. Okay. Well, I I think um, you know I, I've known the developers at the Foundry for quite some time, and those guys work their butts off. And so you know I know there's a lot of discussion on the public forum, and also in the private forums and Slack and other groups about GPU rendering. And I just I guess I feel like I needed to say put in a good word about the developers, like. Any sort of non-move towards GPU that's happened so far um, hasn't been out of uh, lack of um, you know, effort or lack of lazy or something. Yeah. No, they're, they're definitely not lazy. They're working super hard, and and the and the challenge is very difficult. This is actually, I mean, Moto's getting to be. Dare I say it? Moto is an aging platform. It's been it's been around actually quite a while now. It's got mm -hmm. lots and lots of legacy code, and it takes a long time to turn a big you know big big long ship like that but but um but it is super important and everybody who who talks about it you know really wants it um i just you know well, like I, I, said, I, can, I, I cannot see the foundry the, the way that they've done things in the past i mean yes they they acquire stuff often but i cannot see them adopting something like ira i just don't maybe they would but i don't it just doesn't seem like something they would normally do like they would want to do it in a way that's more ideal for specific you know specifically for moto but yeah it, it seemed i mean it, it seems like ideally you would have these same renderer you know live renderer in mari that you would have in nuke that you would have in moto it would work across all three platforms and honestly like i said i think the writing is on the wall uh, intel has not is not making cpu performance a focus that's over that's right. not happening anymore so nvidia is is driving ahead full steam so Again, a couple years down the road, what are we going to be using? A, a $1,200 i7 that's one-fourth as fast as a $400 GPU? Nobody wants to do that. So some movement has to be made, and maybe it's just making Moto's shader tree and the preview and sort of the built-in systems more attainable to a third-party renderer. That's fine, too. <laughs> I like using Octane. I like using V-Ray inside of Moto. Um, but we'll see. Uh, anybody, any other thoughts on that? Final thoughts, anybody? Yeah, no, I, I I would totally agree with that. Um, I mean, my last uh, system that I built, um, I built with a you know a, a mid um, upper level chip, and I see no reason to upgrade my CPU, and it's been two full years. Um, however, I've upgraded my GPU in the middle of that time, and and I added extra RAM, and my system feels you know always feels snappy. And I imagine in another year I'll probably upgrade my GPU again. So, yeah, there's something in five years. I think that's a definite thing that uh, that we need to be moving that direction and I think like you said just making Moto's uh, Moto's built-in stuff either easier for a third-party leverage or if they make some kind of switch internally uh, either way would be is going to be important going forward and I don't know if this is a, a five-year thing or a ten-year thing I can't wait for the day when you stop talking about rendering like it's not it's not a thing like you yeah. your model is done like you're when you're done you're done i've assigned what the materials are it should be uh, uh, you know smart enough intelligent enough to for me not to have to go and 
fiddle around with all these settings and I've got to wait for the light lighting to work like I just want like I think real time <laughs> you remember when um, I don't know if you ever did press work in the 90s but but do you remember when ripping was a thing yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh yes I mean that's that's what this reminds me of like right now we're fighting over this whole big thing and we've got rooms full of computers doing doing yeah. our, our ripping equivalent um, but yeah I mean ultimately that's gonna be negligible yeah I mean some of the real-time advances that we already have are still are already pretty good <laughs> but I'm, I, I, I do think that that's gonna be I think that's why the GPU also is gonna kind of take over yeah. because I I don't want to wait for a render. When, I, when I'm done my model, when I'm done with my model, I actually want to switch off my modeling view, and I'm I get it, and I'm done. I know it's uh, it may be kind of uh, idealistic, but if you're it, it is five, an all-purpose excuse to tell your client though that's oh, rendering. Yeah, <laughs> I, I know, I know, but there's a lot of things that five years ago, ten years ago, you were telling your client that you could no longer tell your client. You have to evolve your tool. I'm just going to start. I'm just going to start. Next time somebody asks me to do a display for Best Buy, I'm just going to take a moto screenshot and be like, here you go. <laughs> <laughs> you know, just but rendering, rendering has been a constant like throughout forever. I mean, I remember in 1994 waiting for renders. And you know what? Yeah. I was waiting the same amount of time for a render then that I am now, but now my render isn't 320 by 240 interlaced. It's you know, it's 1080p or 4K and it's 60 frames a second. You know, so it, it's like, I think we can always say, you know, it'd be great if rendering didn't exist, but then we're always yeah. going to think of things that we could add into the rendering to make it that much cooler and that much nicer. And you know what? We're all going to, we're all going to still use those cool things because we're not going to be like, ooh, there's a cool thing to make my render look better. No, I'm not. Yeah, I, 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 my nightmare scenario is somebody adds up all the time in my life I've spent staring at a <laughs> render progress bar and says, Greg, you spent 17 years, three months, and four hours staring at a progress bar. Like, I'm, you know, like. Yeah, there are people, I mean, I, I, I'm sure most people have heard this by now, but I mean, like, this, when you like study the history of commuting, People have always commuted oh, yeah. for like half an hour to an hour, regardless of what transportation medium you have. So if you're taking a horse and buggy, it'll be a half an hour. Like everybody has always done that much commuting. And even if you have like a 200 mile an hour train in Japan, they still commute half an hour to an hour. It doesn't matter. That's um, interesting. You can live farther away. Further away. Right, yeah. exactly. So, so, that we so, so, it's, so it's, the tolerable, it's a tolerable threshold, basically. Right, That's exactly. Not what we hit. Yeah. Right. Right, so we're going to demand as much of our hardware as we can get in half an hour. And that's basically yeah. what it comes down to. <laughs> I, I think that's a good way of putting it. So I, got, I want to do two more topics before we take off here. One, this is a Wacom pen. How many of you guys use Wacom tablets? Yeah. We got uh, Ed, Adam's got his pen, Yasin. <laughs> William, William has a mouse from the 1980s. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Ellery, did you do Wacom? Yeah, yep. you got the pen, right? Plus, you can point at your client with it. Like, <laughs> so, uh, we got the mouse too, right? So I thought Dell introduced a cool new product at CES, and they had basically it, it's it's similar to the Microsoft Surface Studio, but different. Whereas it's a separate screen. It's not a computer. Mm -hmm. It's not a Cintiq. 
It's a 27-inch monitor, essentially, that with Wacom technology and pressure sensitivity that you plug in and you use as a sort of a dual monitor setup. Is that, <laughs> is that a vibe? Yeah, the vibe. I, I was I'm just doing it. He's holding control. It's a controller show-off. So. Right, yeah. right, all right. Everybody pull out your peripherals. Let's see them. <laughs> Whip them out. Oh, oh, wait. I've got, uh, I've got, I've got one more. These are Oculus hand pieces. Right. Oh, oh hey. I got one of those. Hang on. Hang on. <laughs> <laughs> What was that one, Yasin? Space, uh, space Mouse, baby. Space Mouse. Oh, yeah. Space Mouse. Well, does that appeal to anybody? I thought it looked kind of cool. What? Which um, one? The yeah. Dell. The Dell. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I think so. It's 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 always going to be, you know, is it is it at a price point that it's going to save me enough time for it to be worthwhile? It's a lot. You know, that's the so question. I, I it is expensive. To, so. It's like 1800 bucks. Yeah. I got, well, right. I got, I got to demo one of them. Uh, a little bit ago, and I it's um it, I mean it's pretty neat, but honestly, you know the the surface it's the same thing as the surface, right? Um, well, except it's 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 well the surface is the full computer, right? This is actually you're, yeah, this is a dual monitor setup. Right, but really I just mean in, I just mean in terms of your in terms of your, your interaction. I also I mean, think the style of technology is different because the surface is the Entrig technology, and uh, so that's what I'm getting to. That's what I'm getting to. So the Dell is doing more stuff off the shelf. Um, and they have a lot of limitations that the Surface doesn't have as a result. Um, and if, if you actually, I think, I think the idea of the one that the, that the Dell is showing off is 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 neat. But uh, but I think you would have you should go and try it basically before you make a decision. Don't don't just order it online because it it my experience was not awesome with it. I have to admit, like it it's a good idea, but the technical aspect of it it just wasn't wasn't as. What is nice it called again? Oh, I don't know. Let me Google it really quick. Has anybody tried the Surface Studio? I have, yeah, and it was snappy. It was actually pretty nice. I, I'm I hearing a lot of good things on the Microsoft front. Um, yeah. I haven't tried them, but my, the Surface, the, the Studio, I'm hearing that the – my concern was when I first tried the, micro, the, the Microsoft equivalent of kind of – even on the – like the um, – what do you call it? The uh, iPad and the Pencil, that – the strokes were just not as good. But I'm, yeah. what I've heard so far is from people who do sketch and things like that, they're saying Microsoft stuff is as good. The surface good, one is pretty better. good. I, I, I don't know about better, but it was definitely good. And I, it, it gave me that feeling that, that you get from an Apple sketching surface where you feel sort of like, like the tool gets out of the way and you're actually sketching again. It's, the it's Dell good. one did not give me that feeling. The so, Dell one was more, more like an old school Cintiq or something. It just felt kind of laggy and... The Dell one is called the Canvas, and uh, I guess what appealed to me is you can you can you can you can cart it around your office and plug it into whatever computer you want. Where the Surface Studio is basically an incredibly just an awesome monitor plugged into a laptop with last year's technology. I I just got I just I just got a Skype message from somebody watching us who just said that Dell is a turd. Uh, <laughs> they used it, or are they are they just like uh, going off of they've, what they they've saw? They've used it. It's uh, they've used yeah, it. Yeah, you gotta try uh, it, man. Right. I'm he I'm just said go, you go, only go, go to a demo. Surface Studio and see the light. So yeah. where do you where do you, Gustavo? Where do you try it? Like where trade shows? Trade shows. <laughs> shows. I guess that's where I tried them. Try them Vegas. Try the yeah. Dell. Yeah, actually in Vegas. That's exactly right. Yeah, I definitely, um, definitely give it a try. I mean, I, I, I applaud Dell's effort on the thing, and I really hope that they. I mean, because we need more competition in that space, and we mm -hmm. need more great high-end sketching products. But, but I just my experience was not nearly the same, not nearly as good. Yeah. Okay, fair enough. Any other thoughts? Anybody else want to chime in on that? Everybody loves their wake on, though, right? <laughs> yeah, well, it's actually, yeah. I love hate. I think the Dell is actually using uh, Wacom technology, but it's just uh, there's like two 
different types of Wacom styluses. There's the, uh, the EMS and then another one. And uh, it's not. No, I use the passive one all the way, baby. Yeah, the passive one. Passive one, okay. Hey, just as a, an aside here, is anybody keeping tabs on the actual live stream window? Because I think there's a chat function there that I'm not exactly looking at. <laughs> yeah, I looked over there a minute ago. Okay. I don't see anything in group chat. Uh, I don't know if there's anything on comments or whatever. Like, can out, can outside people go to group chat? Yeah, or no, it's not on the actual live stream window, but there should be a, some sort of uh, comment section on the stream on the YouTube. itself, on yeah. YouTube, yeah. So I, I anybody, there's about 50 people watching, and I promise we oh, will yeah. get our, I promise we Holy will get crap, our. Uh, there's a lot of them. <laughs> yeah. Ah! <laughs> what are you guys doing? Go back to work. Right. <laughs> so, so listen, I promise we will get our shit together on this. We will pre-announce this the next time. We will have somebody monitoring the uh, comment button, because there's somebody right there saying, I've used the Dell, it sucks. They finally got tired of nobody answering, and they probably Skyped us on, so. <laughs> so. We will get our what's shit funny, But what, what, yeah, what's funny though is that there are still people that will answer, will answer other people, which is pretty cool. I like that. Oh, good. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Somebody's blowing up about the Self GPU thing too, like having yeah. a coronary, I'm sure. Right. <laughs> yeah, so. <laughs> okay. Uh, I guess last topic, I just wanted to throw this out there. Who has seen Rogue One? Looks like everybody has seen Rogue One. Alex, you've seen Rogue One? Yes. Is it playing in Germany? All right. <laughs> so is it dubbed? Is it dubbed over there? Uh, you can get it in dubbed, and in the original version, sadly, I got the dubbed version. <laughs> oh, you did? So, really? Yes. Why I, is I tried that? to avoid it if possible, but this time there was no way around it. Okay. Well, they so they did use. I know John Knoll, uh, the VFX director over there, who actually I think he may have actually written Rogue One. Yeah, see, maybe he he got a little job upgrade, but you know, uh, he had done. He was, yeah, he was part of the writing team for that one. He's actually. Yeah. I, think it's, I believe it's his. It's his pitch. It was his yeah, pitch. He pitched the story. Yep. So is that uh, um, previous he did with Moto? Was that part of his pitch? Anybody I don't know? know. I yeah. don't have that. I don't have that verified. Okay. So I guess this doesn't have to be Moto specific, but as a guy who saw Star Wars in the theater when he was, I think, seven, six or seven, uh, I was super happy. I thought it was great. Anybody, <laughs> oh, anybody yeah. else think? What are your thoughts? Uh, I, I love you're it. younger. Oh, go uh, ahead, go I thought ahead. it was. I loved it. I thought it was great. I mean, one of the things that I, I liked about it the most was that um, they made it its own. It, it, it didn't feel like they were going from by some kind of formula. Yeah. Uh, you know, they 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 kind of made a movie that existed in the same universe, but um, you know, it didn't follow that same you know that same formula. Yeah, Yasin, you've got C three PO behind you there. What'd you think? Oh. Uh, it was in. It was enjoyable. I think the I, I don't. It was an, I don't. I didn't feel it was original. I didn't feel it was like the most groundbreaking movie in the world. And I felt like there's a lot of there's so much homage to the uh, New Hope one, but I still enjoyed it. And I think it's. I think that while we while I think in my mind I love New a New Hope and I lived. I was it thirty years of just kind of having it re rerun and rerun. But I saw it when I was a kid, and I still kind of like, oh, it was just amazing because I saw it as a kid. Um, it when you watch it now, like if my, my kid watched it, she's and she'd look at him and she's like, those are robots. Like there's a guy. You guys know there's a guy in there. Like he's like going around. 
Like for me, I'm like, yeah, that's super true. But it's a, I don't think about it. With Rogue One, I think it's a it's a chance to get a, almost like a revived a New Hope um, version of that for the new generation, which I, I think is appreciated. So Ed, you're a little younger than a lot of us. Did you see Star Wars in the theater, the original ones? Keep stop making me feel so old, Greg. <laughs> yeah, I, I just said I saw the original uh, in the theater. They did the re-releases uh, for the special editions. Uh, so I saw I saw uh, Empire Strikes Back in the theater when they re-released it. Uh, nice. Like in the 90s when. It, um, but um, yeah, I had them all on, on VHS, and I saw Rogue One. Um, you know, one thing that I felt was lacking from the prequels that I really liked in Rogue One, uh, and e even I didn't really feel this in uh, The Force Awakens, but just the uh, the droid designs and the uh, like the, uh, the the ship designs, it just felt like really that you know that used uh, that older universe, that lived-in universe. Which uh, so from a design standpoint, I loved I loved everything. The story was you know just okay to me. And it was entertaining, but uh, for me, but the right. designs were just you know loved. I thought the first, like the the last, what I'm, I can't remember the names. What, you know, not Rogue One, but was it New Hope, the the uh, episode seven or whatever, the one that came out last year. Force Awakens. Force yeah, Force Awakens. Force Awakens. I actually like. I love Force Awakens. I saw it twice in the theater. I thought it was super good and on point and like perfectly relevant and all kinds of great stuff. Really like unique in all the right ways and the same in all the right ways. You know, it was really excellent. Holy crap. I actually, I'm sorry. I'm gonna but, <laughs> remove my opinion. I was talking about the Force Awakens and not Rogue One. Rogue One was. Awesome. Oh really? I loved it. Yeah. What? Rogue One is the one that just came out this last, just recently, right? No, no, no. I so my my I think yeah. what I was talking about was that the uh, the comparison between a New Hope and uh, Rogue One was incorrect. It's it's a New Hope and the Force Awakens. I felt there's a lot of similarities between them. Oh yeah, it was like a reboot. It was yeah, it was yeah. enjoyable. Yeah, totally. I liked it. My daughter Rogue One. I actually liked it a lot because it's. So I'm the opposite. I'm, I'm confused. I, I, yeah, I'm the sorry, opposite. I, 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 didn't, whole, I thought Rogue One was it. like, man, it's it was good. It was fun, but it, it, I enjoyed the movie as an entertainment thing. But I just wasn't like, oh wow, I need to see that again or something. I just thought it was kind of. Yeah, right. No, it was. I, I I didn't feel that for, the Force Awakens either. Um, but Rogue One, I felt it, it closed the gap in my mind of like the the storyline, and I think. As as a as a as a fan of Star Wars, you keep thinking about well, what happened between this and this, and what happened between like it just it's basically another block in that kind of endless blocks that are missing from a time yeah. from a timeline for this. Ellery, you have kids. What did uh, did you take them? What do they think? I didn't take them. My kids are younger. Um, my oldest is twelve, so um, yeah, I don't I don't take them to see the Star Wars movies in the theater just yet because if they get just overloaded from it being too loud and scary, I don't want to have to leave. So, <laughs> so, so we watch them on video later. I thought, I thought he's going to go for midnight. I thought it's going to be a, a, an unbelievable parenting tip. And it turns out, to be, no, I just want to see it without complaints. <laughs> I thought so that was an unbelievable bad. parenting tip. I get, I get my kids to bed and I go to the midnight showing while they're asleep. And then I get it on video. There you go. Oh, I do that. <laughs> That's how I'll be seeing it the second time. And I'll be heading over at midnight. Yeah. All right. Any other thoughts on Rogue One? Ed, you'll go ahead and say something. Yeah, I was just wondering what everyone thought about like um, uh, the digital actors, like uh, uh, Peter Cushing and uh, I know uh, and Grandma. <laughs> That's a great question. So here, here's my take on that. My kids, who are you know twelve and fourteen, didn't realize. They asked me, "That guy's still alive?" About Tarkin. Really? So really? Really? And so my, me, my, my oh, daughter's wow. first reaction. Are your was, kids? That's so fake. Yeah, are your kids <laughs> impaired in some way? No, no, they are not. But they, but their first impression was like, I mean, obviously they thought something was a little up with them because they were they were asking like, that seems a little weird, right? Um, but my own feeling was, 
that the story had to have those characters. You had to have Tarkin in it, and you had to have Leia. You didn't have to have Leia, and it was great to see Leia. I loved seeing Leia in it. That was my favorite part of the movie. I don't care what the 3D uh, aspect <laughs> was. That was a favorite part that. of the movie. Just say that. And I, I loved Leia. And I thought Tarkin, I thought Tarkin obviously could have been better. We're getting there. We're not quite there yet. But the character was portrayed. To me, this is the interesting thing about Rogue One was the Empire seemed more human. Stormtroopers weren't just yeah. robots. They seemed human. There's a scene in the early on of the Stormtrooper in, uh, before Jane gets rescued where he's all dirty and he looks tired. And he's just kind of on this like, you know, uh, transport, just like hating his job. And you're like, okay, the Stormtroopers <laughs> are real. And they made Tarkin uh, in the Empire uh, as, as though it was run by evil individuals. And Tarkin was evil. And he was taking over. And they were hiding the existence of the Death Star from the Empire. And it, it, it just seemed much more believable to me. And I'm glad he was in the show, sketchy CG here and there or not. I think it was, I think it was a gutsy move. So, so I've got a question for you. I feel they could have had a better execution on the 3D. I don't think it's a capability issue. I think it's a budgetary issue. Or I think it's budget. I just don't think they want to spend more money and effort on the same thing. Because I've seen, <laughs> I've seen CG actors that look better than that. So hey, if you there were, at, go if you, do you ever uh, Davy Jones from Pirates of the Caribbean? While mm. he's not human in nature, uh, the face and expressions were just phenomenal. Yeah. And that's the same team, and that's ten or twelve years further along. I just, it's just, it seemed like for my ten-year-old to notice it. I, I don't think that's a small deal. Well, see, so I when, think if it's a budget, a budget issue, they should have just then done it in a different way. Make him a hologram or, or something. Exactly. Like, you could tell the same story, have the same character, but my problem is, is that um, like, you know, the Princess Leia scene, it was enough for just to see the camera behind her, or, you know, Correct. behind her. Correct. And like, and, and they could have delivered the line, and I would have been like, oh, okay, this is cool. This is leading up to, you know, a new hope. But or instead, just a medium shot, like a medium, it's like a farther right shot. in her face. They could have put her in the shadows, like she was yeah. hiding or something. So I don't this know. This is really, this is really yeah. interesting. Like, I, I remember when I was working in LA and teaching, um, teaching classes at, at uh, VFX uh, uh, training studio, like a union house. They, um, that I would talk, I would bring up Jurassic Park, and there was there's universal like anybody older than a certain age would be like, Jurassic Park destroyed the movie industry. It was really interesting. But anyway, one factoid about Jurassic Park is there's some there's like less than seven minutes of dinosaur footage in the whole thing, um, and and it's just really intelligently done to where you get the feeling of the dinosaurs being there all the time without actually having to see them. And and I just think there's so much you could do. I just thought the what they did in Rogue One um, was really kind of um, ham-handedly done. Like they just did too much of it. Like it would have been all right if it had been a little glance here and there, and you had worked it in in a way that was convincing. I just thought that like these long straight shots on the guy's face. Of course you're gonna like you're gonna pick it apart. Yeah, I agree. And I I total agreement. It was too much. And you're right. It's funny if you watch Terminator Two again. There's probably about four minutes of CGI in that entire movie. But it's right. done really well, and they just subtly move the camera off and on the characters when they switch in and out of them. And yes, yeah, so so that could have been better. But I'm giving them <laughs> huge points to have the guts because look, what are they going to do? Not have those characters. I, so I the- actually disagree that it's guts. I actually think that it's just a gimmick. Like I see it as a marketing gimmick. Like oh, it's really? a, another a gimmick? An, another reason to be in the news. Look, we revived a dead character. 
Nah, you don't need extra news for Star no, Wars, man. Uh, yeah, you do. <laughs> if they had recast the actor, if they had recast Ben Moff Tarkin, like, uh, it would have been difficult because he's so uh, iconic, but if they just had a different actor, what would you have thought? Uh, do you think that was even an option for them? I, 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 I thought it would have been, I guess, weird to have a different actor. I guess, I, guess, I think I'm in the minority here, but it, um, it didn't well, bother me. I, I think, go ahead, Ellery. Well, I was just going to say, I think, um, I don't know, I think it's something that they, they need to just keep doing it, and it's going to get better and better. I, I think they need to keep doing it, but I think recasting them, I, I think that would have been a, a big mistake. I mean, so we had 50 viewers and now yeah. we're down to three, something like that. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, spoiler alert? Is all right? Spoiler alert? Okay, yeah, spoiler alert. So, you know, I, I think recasting them would have worked if it was five years before. But it's, you know, literally, you know, who knows? It's hours before. Yeah. So it's not like, you know, oh, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, they could have gotten away with it if they hadn't had that whole lead in at the end. But, yeah, with it, it's it just wouldn't have worked. And that's what I found myself asking in my head, you know, when I first saw him on screen. I was like, that looks real similar age-wise. And so the whole time I'm thinking, how far before? How far before? How far before? Right up until the end. And I was like, oh, that far. Not very far. Okay. Well, I, think another <laughs> I, I think another interesting question is, I can't remember the, the actor's name who played Tarkin originally, but... I, I would think that he would have had to, or his family maybe would have had to have given permission for his they likeness. Did, yeah. They did. So yeah. how does that work with, uh, for instance, Carrie Fisher now? Obviously, Carrie Fisher uh, died after the movie was made, but there's a digital replica of Carrie Fisher in, in existence. I'm, I'm sure Disney lawyers are all surrounding all that. <laughs> I, I think they I mean, don't, don't you worry about that, Greg. <laughs> so, Ed, you're in the Screen Actors Guild. Or, or you're, are you not? Or you're, uh, I am, I am. So what what are the thoughts among actors about? Is there some nervousness about um, digital replicas? You know, um, I don't honestly. I don't even think uh, they're too aware of it. At least at the level that I'm uh, working uh, as, I, I don't think they even think about it really. Um, I think they should uh, probably because uh, you know, digital doubles and digital actors like uh, it's it could be a real. Uh, you know, I don't want to sound too harsh, but it could be a threat to. Uh, to actors, even uh, as like uh, background actors, like extras, if you can simulate that with, I guess, in Maya, like massive, if you can just have, uh, you know. Ed, that's the, that's the first task you need to go. Go get yourself scanned, start selling yourself digitally now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Digital but, ad. Uh, well, the other thing is uh, what Yazam brought up uh, was a pretty good point about um, Davy Jones. Uh, I'm wondering if maybe because he wasn't, um, he wasn't human, we were able to. The, the, the Uncanny Valley doesn't apply. I think that's the yeah, big but, thing. Yeah, but Absolutely. it's. it's I want to say I want to say I agree, except for the differences in the quality was not about. Look at let, let's put it this way: go back and watch uh, Pirates of uh, the Caribbean again. Look at the facial nuances. But I'll tell you one thing though: one of the things that they did when they were animating it, uh, I think Hal Hickel was supervising animator on that one was. They had the motion performance capture of. Uh, his, Bill, was it Bill Nye or something mm -hmm. like that? Yeah. Um, who did who did unbelievable acting, but they resorted to actually um, animate it traditional uh, keyframe style while having that as a reference. Uh, that was my understanding, at least from what I remember. This was a long time ago with the conversations I've had. No, and David it, was a milestone. He was, and it was just it was phenomenal. It was the, the 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 work that was done was phenomenal. It was I don't know what they did with Turkin, whether they actually grabbed because I do think that they had an actor on set and I think they did have the the performance capture of that. But every time I've seen a performance capture, it just 
there's something off. And I would rather, and I've seen a more successful story done when it's key animated and you have the reference of the reference of the performance capture. Did, did Avatar mm -hmm. bother you? Because I saw Avatar again recently. It's, it's hard to think that that's, that movie's actually kind of old now. Um, yeah. <laughs> it, it's, it's phenomenal. Like, like I thought, like, it was, I think a lot better than, it, it was a lot better than a lot of other movies, but there's still, I don't know what it is. It's really hard to, without analyzing a lot of these things, it's hard to pick up on those nuances, but it's, it's, there's a, it's almost like a soft lag of time. Uh -huh. You know, mm -hmm. it's it's like it's and it's not about the vo the the sound being kind of lagged out, but the the, the rest of the performance being like I don't know I I don't know what exactly it is, um, but Davy Jones was just a phenomenally done character. I don't know. I think with I think with Davy Jones, you can start to go back to some of the more you know traditional animation things where there is exaggeration. There's um you know there's overlapping action things that you're going to add in as an animator that sure. isn't going to be captured. That's sure, true with, that's with the level of technology we have now. So they can over-exaggerate some things with Davy Jones, and you're not going to know because most of us haven't stood in the street and talked to a person with an octopus face to really know exactly how that looks, right? And but those eyes. I tell my right. Well, the, yeah. but the, I don't think it was. Uh, I think, like you said, they, they had motion capture data, but I do know a guy that did some of the rotoscoping on it. So, I mean, they were they were going frame by frame and matching. They, I know for a fact they were doing that because I met a guy that did, worked on they it. Did, and, like, but it was eye motion and everything was 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 copied from video footage but but that but doing it that way does allow you then to go into the keyframes and exaggerate things in a way that that really helps to sell it i think and yes i mean I, but i think i think the uncanny valley thing just doesn't apply in that case and that's the same reason why you could get away with dinosaurs before you could get away with humans um yeah. so yeah and I, yeah exactly so so i just wanted to bring this up it's been about an hour we're now talking about movies which could go for another hour <laughs> yeah so. So should we call this a wrap here? Anybody else want to say anything else? Yeah, I'm getting a bunch Wait, of blank I'm, faces. I'm, I'm, I'm trying. I'm trying to bring up some of the images. I'm going to show you some of the images. <laughs> Yazan is not done with this. This is uh, no, because I mean, even the images themselves. You look at them and you're like, I can pick this, even without movement. Um, uh, rug one. Yeah, it's just it's it's just not there. There's a blur. There's a blurriness. To the to it, it's just. It's just he looks like I just thought he looked like a video game character. That's true. Like I don't, you're not gonna see it yeah. here with this thing. <laughs> Can I? Are you gonna turn camera? your camera? Around? Oh yeah, I, yes, I am. <laughs> a frame like this, right? That's that's a frame. It is gorgeous. I mean, it's look it's a gorgeous, that. gorgeous work. It has it nothing really to do. Is. I don't think it has to do anything. But and then you look at like look at this. I think they actually blurred it to make it let seem like it's part of the film. I just it's just. He looks. There's a lot of things going on wrong. Well, I, I and guess. I, and this is. And by the way, this is. You know, ILM. This is not to downgrade their ability. I don't. I think they're capable of doing even more, way more than this. Um, and the artists that worked on this tirelessly. <laughs> and I appreciate every moment that they put in. I don't. I again. I don't. Yeah, I, I think. I'm not the, a spokesman for them, nor do I know exactly yeah. what happened. It's from a consumer. A guy who sits down and makes kits and stuff. Well, I think I don't think anybody's going to argue that they were perfectly indistinguishable or photorealistic from a, or different from a person. I guess the argument is: Did it take your suspension of disbelief? Did it, did it remove you from the movie, or were yeah, you okay it with yeah. it? No, I definitely. I was like, eh, not so. Like really, for me, I, I like I saw. Okay, he's CG. Obviously, he's also dead. He's a CG guy. And I just, buy, I just bought. I'm like, I'm not gonna let this ruin the movie for me. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah I think that's willful, willful self-deception is what that's, what that's called.
All right. <laughs> All right. I feel like I'm in the minority here, but I, I, I enjoyed it. No, uh, that's every time I go to a movie. <laughs> every yeah. time I go to a movie nowadays, I'm, I just got to go, okay, well, I turn it off. I'm going to enjoy the movie. Well, it's funny because your brain will actually, it, a part of it is consistency. So with Avatar, um, the whole world is like that. So yeah. it's consistent. Everything is like that. Your brain is fine. If I'm even video game cutscenes, if I'm playing like The Witcher 3, it all computes in my brain. I'm not taking out like, oh, that character doesn't seem real because it's consistent. If you're watching an animated film or anime, it's like, it's if it's consistent, you're not taken out of it, right? And so I guess the, the issue with row one was, <laughs> holy crap, he doesn't look right. And then boom, you're, you're, you're out of it. And then it's like, crap, you got to get back into the movie. Um, yeah, so I probably, really, I, yeah. Yasin thinks it's really about the ear hair. If you look, if you look at the, the hairs around the halo of the ear, that's, uh, that's really what sells it. But can you see, I mean, this is, this is two frames <laughs> from the two different movies. Do you guys, like, even without movement, does it, is it not clear that the one on the right is... Not yeah, really. it no, is. It looks like a wax. He looks like a waxed, um, uh, whatever you call it, wax museum. That looks yeah, more like a color grading issue, honestly. Yeah, it, it could be. No, it's it the texture of the skin. There's something more. wrong with the skin. It's waxy. It's wrong. It's not right. Well, I mean, to be fair, they had to dig him up to scan it. I'm kind of <laughs> 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 right, that was right. terrible. Oh, that was, that was, and we're out. <laughs> wrap that up. All right. <laughs> All right, so thank you guys. Pixel Fondue round table number two. We promised to get our shit together and uh, broad, uh, promote the not. third one <laughs> more than the second one, and uh, we'll get more than 50 viewers. And uh, but we'll put this back on. I'm talking about Fondue. Star Wars, man. I'm, I'm making. I'm putting my foot down right here. If the next conversation is about Star Wars, I'm leaving. <laughs> <laughs> That's relevant. There's a little moto involvement. It's in our industry. All right. Uh, okay, guys. I think oh we're wow, out. we're we're getting a lot of uh, chatter on the the chat on the me bringing up uh, Davy Jones. That should uh, not be called for. <laughs> I, may, I may be I may be persecuted. We'll talk later. Okay. All right. Okay. Thanks, guys. Bye -bye. Thanks, guys. Bye. 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 Bye.